count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. We are here. We are going into 2021, and it's a very, very real thing. It's very much so happening. Now, I've been thinking a lot about goals, but I've also been thinking, how do I approach 2021 in a way, fundamentally, in my mental operation and day-to-day operation that I haven't before, right? It's a good year to mix things up because life's already mixed things up on you. So why don't you try to mix things up on life? Maybe it's a little game that we can play with our lives here. You know what I'm saying? Now, take a deep breath and think about three goals. Now y'all just got a little bit of that ASMR for free. A little bit of that free ASMR, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to chew some bananas here, get my potassium in and do it right up here on this sure sm7b <laughs> um i i put this thing out into the world i was just thinking it's like i really want to approach this year differently and so how do i go about setting the right goals and i stumbled upon this hunter s thompson letter uh on finding your purpose and it's really cool because he's not saying you have to do any of this very much so like i feel like any honest person who's giving advice it's only as good from the person that it's coming from and i rightfully so am a dumbass and i'm the first person to admit that I don't really know a whole lot of things. I do know how to play a Telecaster pretty well, but that's really it. Now, check this out. I think a good goal to set for yourself is to make sure that you, as who you are, is efficient and as optimized as possible, and that will affect every single thing in your life. Do not try to have these tangible goals be the utmost pedestal assets that we try to attain in our short-lived existence on this planet. Check this out. Here's what Hunter S. Thompson said. He said, if you at one point in your life decided that you wanted to be a firefighter, but now that you don't no longer want to be a firefighter, it's not the firefighter that has changed, but it is you who has changed. Therefore, the things around us aren't changing in our lives, but the inherent experiences that we're gaining day by day, hour by hour, second by second, those are the things that change us and structure our perspective on this life. Now, It's not that we cannot be bankers. It's not that we cannot be firemen. It's not that we cannot be doctors, but we must strive to be ourselves before we are anything. Here's what he said. But that we must make the goal conform to the individual rather than make the individual conform to the goal. The job must fit you. You must not fit the job. And every man or woman or whatever, heredity and environment have combined to produce a creature of certain abilities and desires, including a deeply ingrained need, there's my voice crack, ingrained need to function in such a way that his life will be fucking meaningful. A man has to be something. He has to matter. Now, that is amazing because nobody is saying we have to matter right now. Everybody is saying that we need to buy Louis Vuitton. Everybody is saying that we need to go vote for person A, vote for person B, and that we need to listen to what the algorithms put in front of our face. But you matter. So remember that you matter. Remember that there is a voice inside of you. There is a thought adjuster of sorts that mechanically operates within your within your psyche that is ingrained with a source of meaning. So follow that meaning and have bravery to do it because it is not easy. It takes bravery to follow who you are. It takes bravery to go into the depths of your mind and to believe that your thoughts fucking matter. A man must choose a path which 
will let his abilities function at maximum efficiency toward the gratification of his desires. Define your desires. Stay strong. Stay patient. Stay persistent. Stay positive. Stay cosmic in 2021. Send me some of your goals. Y'all let me know. Uh, Also, follow this podcast. Follow us on Patreon. Buy some Cosmic Country merchandise. And make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and join the Cosmic Country Club. Yeehaw! Uh, I love Vinyl Ranch. You got to check out Vinyl Ranch. Vinyl Ranch is one of the utmost premier, progressive, and most tasteful brands that are independently entrepreneured, founded, and ran that uh, are in the Instagram marketplace today. Um, there's really fantastic attention that's happening on country music right now from, from a lot of fans that would have necessarily been of country music before. And I think a lot of that has to do with the inherent size and reach that the internet provides us. And my friend David Wrangler, who is the brains and the, and the founder of, of Vinyl Ranch, really does a fantastic job of understanding his audience, communicating to them, and bringing them value in ways that are fulfilled with content, live streams, and most importantly, merchandise. Uh, he's just really tasteful. I love people who are able to take their unique brain in their astounding work ethic and create positive things that the world loves from it. That's what I've always done since day one. And that's what David Wrangler is doing with Vinyl Ranch. And it's just, it's really cool. Diplo fucks with this stuff. My friends Orville Peck, Paul Cawthon, Brothers Osborne, everyone fucks with Vinyl Ranch. Just really an astounding brand. I really love what they're doing. Um, I, the man that is David Wrangler is a fascinating dude. And I was not really aware of it. We had met in New York a couple times at like, one in the morning at weird Brooklyn bars and we'd always been talking about like Willie Nelson B-sides and smoking joints in Williamsburg and having a good time but I never really got to sit down with him and that's the fantastic thing about COVID so uh, we have a lot of time now to talk David has now moved to Tulsa I'm still in Nashville we connected on Zoom we talked about business talked about marketing talked about music talked about cannabis talked about country music and y'all are about to hear it right now on the Lost Highway podcast Mr. David Wrangler of Vinyl Ranch. Hey, listen. Country and Western tie-dye shirt has become, just the Country and Western shirt itself has become quite the thing on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that one of those Chinatown market? Is that a Chinatown? This is not Chinatown. This is is the very first purchase I made when I moved to Tulsa. Um, I went to a a resale shop on, on 11th Street. I don't know if that means anything to you. It's a Route 66. That's the brand. That's cool. You drinking coffee? No, Route sixty six. I was there was a, a resale shop on Route sixty six. That did I tell you I moved to Tulsa? Do you know this? Uh uh-uh, uh I thought you were living in Texas. Dude, I moved to Tulsa in August. So what's the deal with Tulsa uh, aside from JJ Kale and Bob Wills and Bob Dylan, and Leon Russell, and Leon Russell? Damn. Yeah. And X, Y, and Z. Lots of other people. Um, I applied for a grant. I have a lot of friends, rewind just a hair. I have a lot of friends who, who did really outlandish and maybe outrageous things that were off brand for them during quarantine, like mm. purchase houses, mm. get pregnant, right. move to Tulsa. So mm. I applied for this grant and ended up um, getting accepted in this program called Tulsa Remote. Essentially, they give you money to me to relocate to Tulsa. Um, and it's targeted towards people who have the ability to work remotely, like myself. Um, but it doesn't necessarily target like entrepreneurs or you don't even have to just be self-employed. You, it can be anyone who 
you know, you work for Dell and you manage a database, you can move here and apply for this program. Um, I came here because I want to get into the cannabis game. And for the most part, it's pretty lax up here. Um, it's recreation. Wait, no, it's not recreational. It's medical. It's still in the medical phase. But mm-hmm. what I understand, slowly but surely, it's going to be moving towards a recreational status. But I just want to get a jump on all my homies in Texas who are initially going to get in on this industry. What are you doing with cannabis? Um, I don't know just yet. I just want to have some commercially available products. I just listened to your episode with um, Frontier Brands with Jan. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a call with them around the same time that they chatted with you. Okay. Man, Ian Ledin is one of, yeah. one of the most brilliant minds I've ever, I've ever spoken with on a domain of expertise in general, right, right. on CBD and, and THC based uh, products. <clears throat> Literally insane. He knows everything. Makes me feel ridiculous. Makes me feel like a Boy Scout telling cookies. It's like, I have no idea what I'm talking about here. My God. Exactly. It's like a PhD talking to someone in Montessori. It's like, you don't quite, it makes sense. Like, okay, I trust that you're an expert in all of these fields, but you know, I listen to you say, well, what is that? Well, what is that? Can you explain what CBG is? Can you explain terpenes? Can you explain, uh, what's the term you guys kept saying? Carb, decarb? To decarb, yeah, to decarbonize, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carbonate. <clears throat> so I was it's, taking. It's not, it's not making the. It's not making the THC keto. Everyone, there's. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. It's the process of when the 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 flame hits the plant. Um. That's when all the magic happens, essentially. Yeah. And it's in, it's insane, right? And and doing it at different levels, and there's different ways to do it, and so much minute detail, man. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. I just. It never ceases to amaze me. And you sent me that picture of your Stratocaster the other day. It's like, even with like guitar, dude, like there is an exponential amount of variation of everything possible. You know what I mean? Like I've seen so many fucking combinations of Stratocasters in this world. Um, what was yours? Did yours have that? Uh, was it a scallop fretboard on yours? Yeah, scallop. It's a... Uh, That's country. I, so I bought it from this cat in Sheffield in England. Oh, That's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, scallop fretboard. It's a reissue. It's a Japanese reissue of a 1972, from what I understand, a 72 American strap. The Japanese know how to engineer products. Yeah, man. I tr- Hey, I pr- honestly would prefer to have the Japanese version, which sounds... Never mind. I won't even say that. I don't think it does, yeah. man. I think it's like... There's nothing wrong with leaning into what cultures you're good at. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to write a, if I want to hear a country song, I probably want someone from the South to write it. Agreed. <laughs> you know, maybe. I don't know. Tom T. Hall, one of my favorite writers, and I don't know if you fuck with Tom T. Hall. I know you do that Wake and Bake Radio. Maybe you've played some of him on there. Yeah, I love Tom T. Hall. Man, he has the, uh, he, in his book, he says, it doesn't matter where you're from, but it certainly helps to be from the South if you try to write country. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's definitely a truth. Man, it's, it's a weird thing right now where people feel like it's like, there's definitely a lot of like, there could be some um, levity and there could be definitely like a, 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 a breath in between the space and the ego uh, right now, man. I mean, I listened to uh, the Malcolm Gladwell podcast about him talking about Lexus. I don't know if you've listened to that at all. I haven't. I, I do dig Malcolm Gladwell. And actually, sidebar, I was at a, a kid's toy store in Houston. Malcolm Gladwell's got some tied to Houston. I don't know exactly what it is. But I remember being at this toy store, buying a little nephew, some sort of like educational gift for Christmas. Nice. I rounded a corner and Malcolm Gladwell is standing there reading the backside of a box of something, like a puzzle. Of course he's reading it. Like, I don't get starstruck by too many people, but I was definitely starstruck by 
Malcolm Gladwell, Willie Nelson. That's pretty much it. What was the Willie Nelson uh, vibe? When was that? Was that a luck reunion or is that something not that? Um, a few times, but no, I mean, I'm, re- I'm not claiming that I've spent that much time around Willie Nelson at all. I'm not stating that, but all right. in, in theory, my, you know, in oh, theory, right, right, really right. starstruck by right. yeah. a character like Willie Nelson rather than, you know. Willie is like. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> 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 you can't even really like that. Willie Nelson has over a hundred full length records out. Yeah. Like that. I, I, when I get anxious and I get worried about the timeline of things, you can really look to Willie Nelson and be like, man, just keep on trucking. Just keep on doing you. Just stay consistent. Keep on, keep on plucking. Yeah. He does the, wow. So you're really, you're, you're into the guitar that heavy where you Willie does that. You're aware of that right hand technique. He does. <laughs> See, dude, I wouldn't know you were into guitar that heavily uh, based off just following Vinyl Ranch. Because you have, you have so much going on, sir. And so I was watching this, vir- this video today from Virgil Abloh. And he was like, you have to have five or six things going on at any given time. If your sole um, basis of income is being someone who's creative and, and is creating products and creating content, you've got to have five or six projects going on. And you seem to definitely be on par with that concept. Yeah, I've always kind of dabbled, and I'll kind of go back just to, to your point. I read, when I was in high school, I read an Andy Warhol biography. I don't remember if I read it recreationally or if I was forced to read it. It was probably a, a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was a line in, in there, and I, I'm misquoting it just a hair, but kind of paraphrase it, where sure. he says the best, and a lot of people will dispute this now, fast forward 50 years or 40 years, but the best business is in art the best art is in business and how do you monetize your art? How do you turn your art into a business? So I always kind of went into um, a number of my artistic endeavors, kind of seeing how I can monetize them from the beginning, like seeing the end of what that looks like. So I've always been really skilled at just kind of monetizing the simplest of artistic statements that I've created for myself. So how long have you been doing that? Uh, I mean, I've always been quote unquote an artist. I was a visual artist in high school I would draw, stencil, do all sorts of things. Um, I used to have a notebook and I used to, uh, um, this is in middle school, I used to draw like NBA logos and kind of remix them on paper and just kind of mash them up and change them. Um, but yeah, and then I, you know, started, I got into music. Everyone in my family plays music for the most part. So kind of got into that in high school. I was make my brother and I used to make these cassette kind of like recorded mashup tapes where you'd record oh, some bits of, Songs off of FM radio. Come on. And, what were some yeah. of the songs on those? Oh, just whatever was playing on the radio. It was mostly rap stuff. But I was in high school when Corn and Limp Biscuit and Tool and Rage Against the Machine and all that shit was popular. Maynard. So it was a combination of that sort of thing. The, the, the great fusion era of that period of the 90s, you know, kind of being born from that. That's insane. The thing that I, that I love about the 90s is that the 90s, took the blazer and the three-piece suit away from everything. Right. It really did. I feel like it did that across the entire scope of American culture, or artistically speaking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, you really see that. Like, you really see it now if you're looking at what people consider to be classic, which are 90s things. It's like, my God, and you definitely know that more than anybody. Just let's honing in on the country concept of things. It's like, that shit is so informal, it's absurd. Like, even... Like Willie Nelson starting, like when he first moved to Nashville, he was 
a, a three piece suit, hair slicked back with the gel, and 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 yeah, the whole thing. It's crazy. It seems like as things develop more and more, we get more and more informal. And you can even see that now with like how we do advertisements, like especially post COVID. It's like I see commercials that are shot on iPhones. It's like whoa, we are seriously like wildly informal right now. And I think the nineties did that, man. You see, like Alan Jackson, like Kurt Cobain, kind of wearing the same shit. It's like what? What is? I remember that? when man Alan Jackson hosted like the ACM Awards? Do you remember this? Oh, um, I don't know. So Alan Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, hosted the ACM Awards. I can't remember what year it was. Oh, Definitely yeah. 92, 94 shows up. Was, you know, it was like the cutoff sleeve Hank t-shirt. And he's like, well, I just, you know, I just want Hank to get the respect he deserves. So I thought, what better platform than to wear his t-shirt on the, on the big screen? Yeah, he literally shows up and hosted this show, probably drinking something out of a red solo cup cut off sleeve t-shirt. It's funny to see people emulate that because it doesn't have the same like TKO power in 2020 as it did. Oh, let's get on that TKO power, man. Cause that is, ah, oh, that's a great way to describe it, man. When people, especially in Nashville, like in the bubble that we're in, yeah. there's a weird thing that happens to identity when, when you're, when you put a snow globe of, of, a hundred of the thousands of artists who want to achieve the similar thing. There starts to become this like collective consciousness where like everyone's playing a certain character. And there's a lot of these characters like that are being played And like the nineties country character. Dude is a real thing in Nashville. And it doesn't have that same TKO power. What do you think qualifies that? Like, what is that? Is it, is it timing? Like I see it in guitar players that dress like Hendrix. It's like, no, like you can't be dressing like Hendrix in 2020 and it hit the same. You can, you can do whatever you want. But it won't hit the same. No. And that's kind of the whole, yeah. To your point, I use the snow globe analogy all the time, which I'm glad you brought that up. Come on. Um, but yeah, it's you're, you're emulating somebody. You're a fat, you're a derivative, you're derivative of a thing that already happened. So if you want to look like Jimi Hendrix, then why don't you try being a gangster rapper and look like Jimi Hendrix or try dressing like, for instance, being a cowboy and an electronic music DJ. Why don't you do that? Or why don't you try to be a number of other things in mix and mash things up in a way that hasn't been done before. You don't want to be, I mean, to, you can be whatever you want, right? Like, you really can. You can be, and that's fine. No judgment. Just having this conversation. Come on. Yeah, um, you, yeah you, you, you have artistic freedom and maybe merit to do what you wish. I just feel like once you get to a certain once you elevate to a certain place with the hot air of a label and management and PR and all the things that you, that you think you want when you're in a place like Nashville, you think that you need to kind of gain competitive advantage of everybody else. Like I think it's kind of your duty. And I always use the super, the superhero or the professional wrestler analogy. Like you look and be larger than life, but don't be what's already been done to the point that you're just, like a, a stamped Christmas cookie on, and here you are, here's another cookie. Here's another, you know, that's terrible, but you know what I mean? Like what's yeah, the point of fucking love those cookies too. The ones that are just sugar. Oh yeah. Sugar. Oh my God. <laughs> it is absurd, man. I think I could eat 12 of them. I can probably- green crystallized sugar on top. Yes. Yeah. I'm game. I can eat. We got to do some vinyl ranch cookies. Now that would be, what kind of cookies exactly? Well, you could go the, on the THC route if you wanted. You could. <laughs> I don't trust people that make their own edibles. Do you? 
No, no, no. Especially talking after the inlet and we, when we, we talk about um, how they, they go into extensive detail about finding third parties that, that develop processes and, and have patented ways of doing so. Um, 100% I'm a moron. Um, having said that, my mom's been making some of this butter at, here at the house. And um, around five o'clock each day, my pa- I've been catching them. They've been like clocking out. <laughs> They're like getting high as fuck, drinking coffee. And I tried some the other day, man, and it hit like four hours later. Like something, a crazy delayed response. And I, I was on my ass and I had, was having an existential crisis with an N95 mask on. And it was just like, it was a hard time. But I kind of like those dark moments. Like I like diving into my ego and, and not being afraid. Because I feel like you get some real ideas that contribute to your, to your creative endeavors through that medium. Some of us that have uh, the tendency to, to fall into like pits of despair and post-traumatic stress, sometimes that like jostles the cage a little bit and feels good coming out of it. Right. Knowing that that was a moment and the moment's coming on. But also sometimes it stays with you. And I don't know, I've had a few bad experiences where I, which is why I don't do, like I'll do a 10 or 20 milligram edible and mm-hmm. I can eat those all day and feel fine. But I'm, I'm, I never feel like the tidal wave slams me into the surf the way mm-hmm. you know, a 50 to 100 milligram experience will just, ooh. 100 milligram will have you. I had to stay next, in, uh, first time I took 100, I was in LA with my, with my first girlfriend that I'd had, and we were at the conservatory, and um, I had to stay in, ex- in LA an extra day. I woke up the next morning, I was too high. I said, "Fuck it, <laughs> I can't do, it. I can't move, can't go." Can you imagine going to the airport, like even yeah. on the the hangover from that experience. Like, you know what? The airport to me feels like the hallways of school, only for life. Exactly. Like it's all these people who are just completely different ideas and energies and intentions and ways about interfacing with reality, really just being in a bubble together. <laughs> if you had to explain the, the complexity of humanity to an alien, uh, uh, LAX is a good place to start. <laughs> like truly. I just flew for the first time about a month ago. I went back to New York and it had been... Were you back in Brooklyn? Yeah. Uh, no, this time I stayed in East Village. Okay. Different. Yeah, East yeah. Village is way cool, man. I don't know if you've, I mean, obviously been to East Village, but staying in East Village was, was a different experience. Historically, I'd stayed in like uh, South Williamsburg or Bed-Stuy. Yep. Hill, Park Slope even. Oh, come on. Yep. But, um, yeah, I hadn't flown in a while, so it was interesting just to kind of feel. Yep. Feel the way that things have changed so much but haven't changed at all right and getting on a plane and going to a new city where it's everything looks the same but people are wearing masks and i don't know the new york thing bugged me out because that was the last city that i had visited pre-covid um and actually left new york at the end of february so it was right when everything was kind of splitting at the seams Mm. it was even like a couple of weeks before to see people wearing masks and whatnot um, but man, everyone I know from New York, uh, people that had moved there for their careers, people that are from there, a lot of, large part of my family's from, from New Jersey and they worked in, they work in New York and man, nobody is at here in Tennessee. We have a good confidence that things are going to definitely presume to a reality that is 
very comparable to what it was prior. There definitely will be improvements and there'll be, you know, maybe some, some, some variables that have changed. Everyone I know in New York is facing like this existential crisis. Like this place will never be the same again. Rona, did you get that vibe at all? I did. There were, there were a few, there were a few like cultural elements that kind of bugged me out. Like the, you know, for instance, dining out in restaurants. Oh, so it's yeah. all nice when you're walking down Avenue A or you're on Metropolitan or Bedford, right. Williamsburg, you see everyone's dining outside because the weather is ideal right. for an outside dining experience. But then you think forward six weeks and you're like, what's going to happen when inevitable? Then what? You're sitting outside, inside of a heated plastic bubble? Like that seems really odd. What's, what's going to happen with all these businesses? Really made me think, but I remember when they first opened up, uh, friends reaching out and saying, hey, man, you got to come back soon. It's like Mardi Gras in Williamsburg. People are just what? in the streets with frozen cocktails, and it's a really good time. Um, but I didn't really get that vibe. There was a lot more policing, and it felt mm-hmm. like business owners were being really cautious about not... Um, can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and you know, business owners are just being really cautious about making sure everybody stuck to the rules and wore the masks when they got up and didn't do what they weren't supposed to do. Yeah, man. It's a real thing. It, in, in Nashville here, it's, it's very varied. And it, you can tell that there's, there's partisan uh, views that are affecting the running of, of, of business on a respective level. Um, both of which I you know, definitely have good and bad parts to, just like anything in life. And there are some that are a little bit extreme for me, where they're not even based in anything scientific. Like if I'm eating outside, I don't really like have to, I shouldn't be like forced to wear a mask when like my server comes to the table. Mm-hmm. It's like things like that are like, I'm just, wor- I, I don't know. Like it's a weird identity thing on how do you participate in culture right now in a way that is respectful to everybody. But then you also, if you want to be someone who's basing their opinions on science, on at least the science we have, you got to act somewhat logistical. It's like, you know, if you, if you erase have a really, uh, pungent effect on coronavirus and it's like well okay well then i probably shouldn't have to wear my mask when i'm talking to somebody at my table outside and it's weird to see that happen here in nashville especially with how conservative it really is and it's like i don't know i i bet in tulsa they're not really given a lot of fucks (laughs) Um, (laughs) they really are not they're not really too much here on on certain levels too man yeah i mean I, I'm not even going to say living on Tulsa time because why would I do that? But here we are. And Don Williams, though, like, come on, sir. Dude, Don Williams obviously rocks, but have you heard the... I just recently discovered the Eric Clapton version of Tulsa time. Yeah. I dig it. I don't prefer it, but into it. I think, I think my friend Albert Lee is on that. I was talking to him, and uh, he, I think he's on that record. And uh, man... Clapton and J.J. Kale, that, that influence is absurd. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that is... J.J. Kale to me is like, that's an American artist. Like, that is what America sounds like. Yeah, I just really got into J.J. Kale maybe the past, like, deep dive, maybe a year and a half ago. Just really started to learn more about J. And that, that, that was prior to me having any inkling... Right. ...of Tulsa or moving to Tulsa at all. And even... Um, just meeting so many players here and just industry folks. Um, have you, have you heard of a venue here called the colony? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't know much about, yeah, I didn't know much about that spot when I first moved. That's maybe the second 
Yeah. That was the first show that I'd seen since February, actually, was that colony. And we sat outside. It was socially distanced. And I will say, though, Tulsa has been a cool model for, with the exception of a couple of venues, two of the larger ones here in town, um, has been a really great model for having shows and keeping everyone safe. Just doing a lot of outside? Yeah, just keeping it open air, keeping being very strict about the limited capacity, um, doing temperature checks, making sure people wear their masks. And for the most part, I feel like the live music community has been really compliant with those sorts of things here. Even having multiple friends come into town from other cities, they've actually said like, wow, this is really great. I didn't think I'd be seeing live music so quickly and feel really good about it as opposed to... Yeah. Man, there was a probably about a, a 10 day period there where I felt guilty for being a musician. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty. <clears throat> As a promoter myself, like I feel, what am I liable for if I try and produce an event where we sell 30 tickets and, and is the local community? I did an event here called Tulsa Turnaround. What's that vibe? Um, the whole idea was just bringing bands up from Texas, having them play Tulsa, and they turn around and go home. Um, Tulsa, no, and Tulsa. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so I had one event, and I was I was really concerned that the community would not and that there would be some sort of backlash in the press. Maybe I just didn't know. Like I haven't been here long enough. I'm new kid on the block. But the venue I worked with, Mercury Lounge, everyone over there was really great and mm-hmm. kind of reassured me that they've got all processes in place to where all the you know precautions have have, have been taken. Sure, it was me or anyone else, you know, as a promoter, event promoter. So what's, what's your process now <clears throat> like to go ahead and, pr- and, and, and do a, a promotion for a live event um, in 2020? Like, how would you approach doing such a thing? Well, I've actually only produced the one single event post COVID and I haven't done anything since. And I think I've decided that I'm just going to wait. Oh, wow. Really? So yeah. why, why do you say that? I'm, well, it's kind of like a twofold issue. Primarily, it's difficult to get bands up, and maybe it's just the nature of the event that I'm trying to produce, but it's just been really difficult getting bands to want to drive up to Tulsa across state lines from, you know, somewhere as deep as Austin or Houston. Yeah, that's fine. Dallas is easier, of course. It's three, eight, three and a half hour drive, but some of these other cities, it's just hard to get, you know, it's, it's hard to get them to come all the way up here, turn around, and also it's been difficult getting them uh, routing to where they can make some money along the way. Right. Um, and then, you know, it's certain venues don't want to, you know, some don't want to sell tickets, some right. are guarantee only, some, and right. then the bands and the agents, they don't want to budge on the price. And it's like, well, the economics don't make sense. So that's what I was scared of. Your someone yeah. has to budge. And yep. it's actually, if everyone takes the hit simultaneously, then you can have a show and it can be, you, everyone feels good about it. I'm always looking for what, like, what is the common deal that everyone's getting? You know, so like, um, like on Broadway in Nashville, everyone kind of gets a common deal and it varies to base pay that varies. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're an act that sells 500 tickets and you're not on a major label, what's your deal? And you know, it's usually, it's usually a, a solid guarantee. Um, if you, if you, and if you, and if you, if you hit the break point, then it, then it's door plus a percentage right? or it's something like that. I, uh, a mentor of mine said, you know, a good deal is when both parties are a little bit unhappy. And it's like, man, yeah, true. what you just described are two parties not even participating in activity. They're, they're not willing to not be on, to be unhappy. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried that it's going to be, you know, a, a drop off in touring slightly. But then I also have these, 
these moments where it doesn't seem like that's going to happen at all, where it actually might be a, a, a boom of, of, um, of the music industry in, in some light. What are your thoughts on that, on that topic? Um, I was, I always have um, these conversations with friends primarily who, who, are, who are hard ticket only artists. Most of the events that I produce and most of the events I even perform at generally are paid for by brands. And that's kind of something that I've done that I've kind of built over the past five to 10 years. Primarily the last five really focused on that is just trying to produce free events that brands will underwrite. So it's whether if it's, you know, Maker's Mark presents something or Lucchese Booth or Wrangler something like that. So I haven't dabbled too much in the, in the hard ticket game to even really comment on that. But I will say that I'm watching people create a scenario where you own, live music events, particularly now, live music events are only available to affluent groups where you're charging $125 to see your acoustic show and you're free to do that, right? Anybody can do that. Um, but it's creating this it's creating this weird kind of like beat economy where now you have you know I can go see somebody perform to thirty people, but the ticket price is going to be really high right yeah I don't, uh, I don't know that makes me uncomfortable because I'm looking beyond what's going to happen when things quote unquote swing back right to what we're used to to I get really scared when we start talking about the eventual realities of things that are that are not guaranteed. That always fucking freaks me out, man. They're hypothetical and idealistic to just assume things are going to be 2019 again in the future. I don't think they ever will be the same. No, there's no way. You know, after no. K got killed, that nothing was the same. And I wasn't, of course, alive. I don't know what I'm talking about. And then, you know, after 9-11, nothing was the same. You know, I was in the city the day that happened. And it was just like living up there for a couple of years after too. And it, nothing's been the same ever since, you know. And I, I, I would imagine... Especially, yeah, hearing Trey Anastasia talk about this in some interview earlier this year, I was like, "Yeah, you're right. Like, here it is. Here's another one. Here's another thing that's going to permanently have a asset change or variable change on society forever." It's interesting how how the how how the capitalistic and, and naturally so how you need them tendencies of the music business are starting to manifest. And it's man, I've seen a lot of shows here in town that are 120 dollar admission for a 90 minute acoustic show. It's like that's cool. Question, is it sustainable? Is it, I guess it is. Like My friend Joe Bonamassa charges $250 a ticket for some of his seats, and he does just fine. So maybe it is sustainable. Maybe you know people are underselling themselves. Definitely, I think what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to stop touring. <laughs> I really do. I think a lot of people are going to say, fuck it, I'm done. Well, yeah, I think, too, with the streaming, you know, I have so many friends getting into streaming right now, just in all, all capacities, whether they're, you know, creating studios where bands can come and do live streams or they are starting companies that are based around, I think, Jan, is Jan getting into something like that? Jan is getting into something and he also just dropped a new app. Let's shout it out on here because I yeah, think what is it? it's I've been called, to- called uh, Show, Show X. Ironically enough, on my phone, it's right next, it's right next to my Twitch app, uh, <laughs> which Jan did not start. Sorry, Jan. Uh, Jeff Bezos beat <laughs> He bought that. Right Show X, Show X is very cool. It's it's more or less like a um a jam card, um, okay. approach where it's a musicians only networking service, and they have this cool, healthy, um feature on there where they allow you to leave anchors on people's profiles, and that's like a dependability rating. Oh wow! So that's kind of cool, and it's also like I it could turn into Black Mirror episode where like people's scores would change. 
But right. I think that's something that we're going to have to start doing is like leaving it, it maybe not on Instagram, something as mass as that, but there's going to have to be some sort of like, is this person reliable? Is this person telling the truth? Are they lying? Are they putting out fake ads? Are they putting out fake content? Like, you know, that's a thing that I don't know. That scares me, man. I, I, what you do is so honest. Like what you do is so you and you're just putting it out, you're churning it out. You're just working hard at fulfilling like who you are as a person. That's a beautiful thing. And I feel like I'm, I'm doing the same thing as well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's weird to see how those things are actually the things that are surviving and thriving during COVID, where it's almost like people knew instantly, like these fake, like auto-tuned, like uh, not even, like, uh, you know, I think I saw like a Lollapalooza live stream. It was like Lala stream or something like that. And it was like the Avid Brothers went on. And then there was like this pop act that was a newer pop act that hadn't been performing as long. And, and there was all these comments happening from people who did not know, like, who either acts were like, oh, those what, those dudes with the acoustic guitars killed it. And they're like, who's this dude with this uh, with with this Adidas tracksuit on? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe people understand truth and it hits them in ways that are deeper than we might can understand. Yeah, man, I feel you. Uh, in regards to the 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 statement you made at the beginning, like I didn't, I'm not really doing anything differently than I probably would be doing, right. If you weren't watching, right? And that's kind of the beauty of which, which is funny, like over the past, <clears throat> especially in the marketing world, the word lifestyle being used as a descriptor for a brand, a lifestyle brand. What does that mean to you? A lifestyle brand, I mean, it's, you, you basically kind of defined it. It's like, I'm just doing, I mean, that's not entirely true either, but in regards to my brand, yeah. I'm showing you and selling you and allowing you to experience in this, this lifestyle that I've created. Um, and it's monetized in a few different ways. There's digital content, there's physical content and there's experience, experiential. So just to use like marketing terminology. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Ex there's an experiential component, digital content, physical content, you know, physical product things I'm selling, obviously. Um, uh, you do like a limited run of like those sterling silver necklaces and then you do t-shirts. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, just giving people, um, just kind of this full spectrum experience with, you know, goods they can purchase, they can talk about, uh, but also community, which is super important. So <laughs> you're killing on that front, man. You yeah. Have, so like, yeah, the, the, um, the wake and bake radio thing I do in the morning, I more or less kind of started that out of necessity because I had nothing to do in the morning when quarantine like rolled out proper. So it gave me, it gave me a reason to keep my tools sharp. It also, I'd never done anything live streaming before. So it was, it was a little scary at first. I didn't know how to like, can I look at the camera or do I not? Like, do I, is this a good angle for my profile? Like, I don't know what to do here. Do I, you know, I had a really, it took me weeks to figure out my setup before I actually put my foot on the gas. Sure. But, you know, when I first started, when people were locked down, I was, it was a very steady 100 to 250 viewers at all times over the course of a 60 minute set. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, at the same time, it gave me a reason to get up in the morning and, you know, stay connected to music and performance. It also created a community of, people that kind of needed the same and maybe needed more. And I don't know what everyone needs, obviously, but people yeah. get certain, they're getting some sort of benefits beyond the musical aspect of it. Man, I think we are absolutely like serotonin dealers. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it, it really but, is like chemically what's going on between Daniel Donato, David Wrangler, <laughs> Diplo, like uh, it's all the pronouns are all different and, and maybe the adjectives are going to be different, but chemically it's, it's probably very similar. Like what's going on in everyone's brain. Yeah. yeah. We're just selling a different manufactured product. You're, you're dealing, you have the gummies and you have the some things and something else. And I have these others and these people have others and CBA, CBD, CBG. Everyone's got a contribution and their own chemical mix to what we're doing. Like totally agree. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. I think, you know, <sighs> people use social media in, in, in exponential ways. Right. And you do a really fantastic job of using your platform in a way that doesn't make me want to unsubscribe. <laughs> I unsubscribe to a lot of people during this time where they're like, please, like you write great songs about like your sobriety and like not talking about you. You write great songs about your family. Like, please don't tell me about healthcare. Please don't. Like, just don't. Like, like, you know, that's not what you do. Like, that's not why I followed you. And like, I don't know. I think what I'm admi- admiring, which I also, I'm trying to see, which I see in myself, is the conscientiousness to know, to have empathy for the people who give you part of their time every day. Like, that's actually an empathetic place to not talk about things you don't really know. Like, you're coming from a place where you're actually caring more about people because you don't want to be shouting in their face. Like, if you're going to Kroger and someone's yelling you about healthcare, you'd be like, fuck this place. I don't want to come back here. <laughs> it's like, true, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I was out there the other day, they were just like, like no masks on in Nashville, like serving up ribs outside of Kroger. They're just giving away free ribs. People just taking up no gloves on. Like, man, we are in the South. We are in the fucking South. People are giving away baby back ribs for free at Kroger. It's <laughs> funny you mentioned that about uh, the food service. Oh, wow. Situation there. I don't know if I ever want anybody handling my food just in general that isn't wearing a mask and gloves. Why wouldn't you? Like, absolutely. Come on. Medical and food service. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask, wear gloves. I, and don't, I, yeah. And don't be wearing those cloth masks. Like, don't be coming up in here wearing a bandana if you're going to be cooking my burger. I need an N95. I need a filter. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Man, so like, um, what Elon Musk said something along the lines where it's like, whoever controls the memes controls the universe. And it's like, well, yep, like that's a real truth. And man, you fuck around with, with the way that you advertise and the way you promote, really reminiscent of like how like um, you hear about like how Old Town Road got big, right? right. Which was all through short uh, virality serotonin approach, right? And it's just like understanding what part of the psyche, what you're trying to create fits into the consumer, right? Some people can promote best with a three-hour podcast which is not a TikTok video or a meme. Some people say their message best with a meme, again, the yin and yang manifesting. Um, what's your process with that? How do you handle all that shit? Where do you get your ideas from? I mean, I think the Vinyl Ranch project in general, and I've, it took some time, it took some hindsight for me to even come to this place, but the Vinyl Ranch, the Vinyl Ranch brand really is kind of a hip-hop pro- remix project about country music. But it's also about other things. It's not, I mean, if you follow the narrative, it's not only country music, it's pop culture. It's the, oh, yeah. it's the blender of all things pop culture. So just kind of keeping my eyes and ears open and seeing what people are talking about and knowing people that are younger, like I'm 41 years old. So 
I know people that are younger and the conversations they have, I pick up, I see what they're talking about. So I try and use, right. Use the people around me, um, to kind of help craft. And I have, you know, I have a couple of guys on my crew who, 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 who also send me memes. I've become increasingly more busy and have to focus on other things now. So I can't sit at my computer on Photoshop and bang out memes anymore. Um, <laughs> That's all right. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, other, other people can and other people, you know, have valuable, I don't know what I'm trying to say here in regards to the memes, but no, yeah. for the most part, it's just being in also lots of marijuana smoking and watching. Really? Just, yeah, yeah. Just escape. Just looking at everything in a little in a different light, you know. It definitely. Uh, Ian said it best. Ian Lennon from the CBD podcast. He he said it in a way that was like, oh, of course. He smokes CBD during the day, and then he goes, when 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 those tasks are done for the day, I consume THC to change my profile. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Well, it's like, yeah, you're changing your profile. Of course, that's what you're doing. It's not some like propaganda where you're some stoner and you're getting lazy. It's like, no, you're changing your profile in the way that you interface with reality. What's wrong with that? It happens when I drink, happens when I run and I get endorphins. Yeah, you know same. what I mean? Happens when I take a shower. It's like everything. It's like, come on. So interesting thing. Are you smoking? You're smoking a lot of weed? Yeah, I have for a long time. Fuck yeah. Okay. You, you, so do you think you could be creative without it? I'm very creative without it. Actually, I'm not, it's not that I'm more creative. It's really strange. You hear lots of songwriters speak on this. Yeah. It, the, you are like an FM radio. You're on a frequency and Let's it's, go. Coming in, it's coming in, right? The, and then you get into a flow and then you notice that maybe you're more sensitive to certain frequencies. And I feel like that's just kind of where, what, Marijuana does a couple of things for me. Alcohol doesn't do anything for me. No way, man. Alcohol depresses you. Uh, it's poisonous for your body. And there's no built-in receptors on any part of your psyche for it. Or your it numbs them all, right? It takes them all. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, but the marijuana is crazy because it, 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 it gives you the, in my opinion, in my experience, yeah. gives you the ability to see more colors, yeah. to feel more frequency. Your frequency range opens up. Um, so I think that some of the best ideas I've had have been while just having some sort of creative epiphany while out on a run. I, I don't smoke every time I run, but oftentimes I do. I do. Yeah. Just a little, you know? Um, yeah, and running is like my meditative, that's kind of what I do. That's my personal meditation. Ceremony. It's meditative in the way that Wim Hof breathing is meditative. Yeah. I don't ever fuck with that Wim Hof. Big time. I, man, I do it before each podcast, before a show, and it's like it really gets you into that, into that um, I think it calls a hypothalamic, um, I don't know at all, but it, it, it getting in tune with the more primitive frequencies or mm -hmm. primitive um, chemicals that are mm -hmm. in the brain. Um, again, I have no idea, but my God, I notice a real difference, man. It's um, the, the whole cannabis thing is like, whew, it's weird. It's weird for me at least because I love doing it. And I, I, I find with anxiety that it helps me at least see all that's on the table with anxiety. I don't like when people say weed makes me anxious. I think it's that weed unveils your anxiety that you already have. You make you anxious. That's you kind make of, you anxious, my friend. You, you, yeah. Yeah, that's the realest thing. Man, I've had so many conversations with people because I was a person that was, I don't want to say afraid of marijuana, but I had a couple of bad experiences. And anytime naturally- edibles or with, Usually those experiences are edible based, right? Edible, yeah. 
Yeah. And a couple of times I had smoked too much while I was drinking and got really sick, which is oh, yeah. pretty typical yeah. to happen, right? Yeah. But um, I've always felt that with the marijuana and the anxiety, you are a person that's already susceptible. You already have an anxiety issue that's underlying. Every human does. And it's, I've figured out through my own experimentation that I have a control issue. So my anxiety issue is directly braided into my issue with control and then feeling out of control. Hence the marijuana makes you feel, which is what is so great about it. Now it's, the pendulum has swung hard left for me, but there was a period of time where I didn't quite understand that. Oh, I'm feeling this anxiety because I have an, an inability to be out of control, to feel out of control. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I think now it helps with the anxiety, but I don't have as much anxiety, particularly because I run so much. Okay. So what are you doing? Running wise? I run like 50 miles a week outdoors, 50, sometimes 60. So a lot of eight to 10 miles a day. Uh, some days 13. I do like a lot of half marathon distance runs, but my my baseline run is eight miles. That's my three mile run. I just did eight eight miles right before I logged in with you. Yeah. 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 My God, sir. You do eight miles. Are you, um, are you going inside? Are you going out? Are you going outside? I'm 100% outdoor only, even when frigid cold. So what do you, okay. What do you do? Just strap on that Patagonia and you say, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wear like, I've got the tights and all the bullshit, all the the, the stuff. Dude, it's just getting that way in Nashville. I woke up this morning. I usually, I usually wake up around six and I like to get exercise in. And I woke up this morning. It was too, I'm just not prepared for it here. I, it caught me off guard this year, man. It's getting that place in Tennessee. How's it out in Tulsa? You guys, does it get cold there? Uh, I hear it gets pretty cold. I, I hear there's a prop. I mean, that's, you know, it's like Nashville. There's a four season. It's a four season okay. city. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's probably around the bend. It's 50s. It's nice. You know, it's perfect weather for hiking and Ooh. outdoor exercise. But I think once it starts to dip under 30, that's when it gets a little tricky to maintain the discipline of running every day or running, you know, however many miles per week or number of hours that you uh, aim for. Do you try to apply discipline to your creative endeavors? I do, but I'm not as good about it as I should be. But I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it was hard. I like so when when quarantine hit, mm-hmm. I started giving guitar lessons so I can keep generating income, and I, I gave over 300 lessons. And one thing I learned is that there's two approaches to creating or getting better at a skill. And there's the non-creative and there's the creative elements. And I find it's really easy to be disciplinary, and if you have those tendencies already distilled in your personality, instilled. Uh, to to do it to to stay disciplined to non-creative things like I'm going to run X every day six days a week mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But with creative stuff, it doesn't seem like you get the same reward back because you're interfacing with some form of amuse, right? You mentioned the a beaming down of ideas. I want to hone in on that part of the conversation so much. That's all I've been thinking about lately. So you have a large amount of export in your creative um, endeavors that you're doing. So what's the deal with that? Are you staying disciplined with that or are you just that inspired? Like what's your approach to that whole thing? Honestly, I think there's a stream of consciousness kind of element to it by design. <laughs> so one of the reasons that I do it the way that it kind of wow. is designed the way that it is, is so I can be flexible and I can keep it lean. And if 
yep. a thing happens, a thing happens on the news or, you know, something happens in pop culture or someone drops an album unexpectedly or right. I want to drop an album unexpectedly or a mixtape or mm-hmm. a new piece of merchandise. I don't have to answer to anyone. I've already created this um, kind of like brand. What's the best way to say that? I've already created expectation in my community that it's okay for me to do that. Other brands can't do that. Other artists can't do that. Modern red tape. You see that that blows people down. Yeah. Yeah. And you create that. So it's like a a slow moving giant. We are in the most magical era. era. And I think, um, I don't want to speak out of term here. Um, But if you look on TikTok, Donald Trump is one of the biggest proofs that D to C, we are in the era for D to C. Yeah, uh, direct to consumer. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. Um, oh, yeah. TikTok t- took the took the the crevice that was the D to C and made a, a a fucking parting of the seas, and it's like you can be one person with a phone and reach everyone. I feel like they're they're doing a really good job. The tech companies of throttling that now, though. It's not the way it used to be. You don't. It's not D to C the way by definition what D to C is. Right. It's D to C buffer or it's D buffer to consumer. So there's some sort of... How so? Uh, I just think like the way the algorithms work and right. the way everything works. So you don't have... Do you remember when Twitter... Twitter, I feel like... I don't use Twitter much, but I feel like Twitter was the last stop on direct-to-consumer being true direct-to-consumer. When Facebook put up the, you know, recent, where you can filter like by recent... You filter or, your feed, right? By chronological or by algorithmically recommended. Yeah, yeah. A lot of talks on how they're going... They're, they're, those platforms could have up to a dozen of those variables. I know. And that would make sense. Like, you know, it would make sense that you have that. Just how Netflix did that thing uh, recently where you can skip Trump jokes on comedy specials. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if they have that much ability to control your speech, then maybe, uh, maybe something that's good is they at least give you a lot of windows to see speech through. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. But yeah, so back on that Twitter thing you were talking about. Oh yeah, just uh, Twitter. I feel like Twitter was the last true, like direct to consumer, real time information. Mm-hmm. Or, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I do <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, like like some, you know, like the it's it's uh, it's junk food for information, right? It's like it's fun, right, dude, to drink a forty ounce Dr Pepper and you know take down a bag of chips. Like that's fine once in a while for me personally. Oh yeah. So sometimes, you know, I'll watch a, you know, an alien something on YouTube or yeah. listen to a podcast that maybe I shouldn't be spending two hours listening to. But, um, I don't know. Those aliens are real. I mean, you know, we can't say they're not like, Hey, we're morons now. Like yeah. if we're going to say they're not real. We're being yeah. stupid. Like that's insane. Yeah, exactly. That's a totally different conversation, but that really is. I agree with you. Um, no, I just think that the way that our information is being, I don't. I, I can't say manipulate. I can't prove any of this. But have you seen Social Dilemma yet? Oh man, yeah, yeah. I've oh. seen it twice. It's and it's the thing that it's crazy. I, I the thing that happened when I when when I when that, when that documentary stopped. The first thought that came into my mind uh, was MySpace, mm-hmm. and like okay, so let's go back about fifteen years or whatever, um, and be like okay, so. Didn't see this 15 years coming. Did not see me choosing My Chemical Romance to be my, play, my playlist song. <laughs> and my top three friends, which were a cheerleader named Krista Melberg, who I love dearly in, in 
fucking middle school and like my friends I was just starting to play guitar with and like I would never have thought it would have turned into Venezuela or I never thought it would turn into Trump and, and Biden like you know what I mean like my my family members not speaking to each other on some scale it's like my god sir it's crazy it's I felt like the last election, there was a lot of that <clears throat> breakdown of, or I'm, I, I don't want to say breakdown, but kind of more or less a breakdown in family communication, depending on which side of the fence you're on. Come on back. That's true. I don't, I don't know if that's happening, if that's going to happen as much this year. Um, I've, I've even noticed, you know, talking to my parents who we don't agree on a lot of things politically, there, there hasn't been as... I haven't brought it up once. Of course, why would I bring it up when I'm, but they, they, um, they haven't said much of anything yet. And I don't know if it's because it hasn't been officially, you know, he's officially not out of office yet. So I don't know if there's going to be a conversation on January 21st or I don't know. I'm still not convinced. I still don't believe that this is real. I still think the rug is going to get pulled out from underneath us. I still don't buy it. So I'll be more excited about, I don't know. This isn't that, that type of conversation, so I hate to take it there. So I'll no, yeah, we don't got to. And it will, you know, there's a part of it that affects. There's this, there's something that's happening here. Many things that seem to be happening that are bigger than politics. Oh, absolutely. And so, and that's something that's definitely fair to play to comment on as two tourists of that. Of, we're definitely by no means purists, right? right. Um, it's weird to see. It's really weird to see tribalism and to observe it. It's just a crazy thing. And you and if you don't admit that you're a part of it, I feel that you're leaning towards the more evil side of it because you have to accept that you have tribalistic tendencies as a human. And if you don't, you're living in this weird state of denial and you're, you might be subject to doing actions that you wouldn't want to do in the first place. And it, it really freaks me out, man. And, 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 and the most recent example I can think of that is an artist who I, I don't, we don't have to name him. I unfollowed him and like I stopped listening like, I went and listened back to the record that won me over from what he did. And it's like, I look at this guy in a different light now. Cause he was just, he was bashing what was going on, 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 not on his side, but the other side, cause they were wrong. And it was like, just like someone who I like went to high school with that, like still lives in my hometown and like works at Publix. And it's like, man, like, what do you, like, that's the opposite of what you do, which is like take inspiration and distill it down to something with a lot of thought and communicate that to the world. It's weird how emotions and tribalistic tendencies can really cause people to act like dipshits, in my opinion. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. You have not done that, though, and it's really admirable, man. I really respect you for that. I've tried not to, and I've, I've definitely metaphorically kind of mumbled under my breath a handful of times here and there, no. some yeah. subliminal jabs. But for the most part, I think anytime you, you cut something in like a, the American population in half, which is not true, but creating the idea that we're side A and side B is just, it's a recipe for disaster. And maybe is even engineered to be that way, right? It seems like it's a simulation. Yeah, it does. It does. I was driving, because uh, especially in Nashville, where we had the, the second vice presidential debates uh, here at Belmont University. And it was like, my God, this seems like a movie, sir. This mm -hmm. seems like a fucking movie right now. Like this really is me wearing like an Oculus by Facebook VR helmet. And I'm in the middle of a movie. <laughs> like, I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you own one? So my mom and my dad just had their 21st wedding anniversary on Wednesday. And um, COVID's been great for them. It's crazy. Like they're in more love than ever. And it's really inspiring to me because it's like, 
man, you really can find a partnership like where you the love for somebody grows over 20 years. It doesn't diminish, doesn't shrink. Um, and my mom bought my dad an Oculus. And so I'm walking to my dad's office the other day. <laughs> sure enough, after five o'clock, so I'm assuming they're high as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's just standing there, left arm, right arm, up in the air, and like making sure that he has a good radius around him, that there's no one. Yeah. You know, my dad's a very technical man. He likes to approach things from a non-creative place before he starts fucking with it. And he does a great job at getting experimental with things. But he's learning the Oculus. And it is insane. They do 360 concerts on there. I don't know if you've seen those at all. Yeah. So I just, I got, I got my Oculus. Maybe it's, I don't think it's been a month yet. Maybe it has been a month. Whoa. So you got one. What do you think? I haven't put it on yet. I don't know. Dude, it's crazy, but use it in small doses. It's like a very addictive. (laughs) So you're good at, uh, you're good at, which me too. You're good at knowing when things can get you too off center to interface with reality and you allow yourself to have a discipline with those things. I try to be self-aware about how deep down the hole I can go. Because, dude, I bet when you go, you're, you're a submarine diver. Absolutely. Yeah. But the Oculus, I think... <laughs> so I got an invite to use... Maybe you're talking about the same app feature. It's called Venues. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Dude, it's nuts. So I just kind of got signed up. So if you haven't done this yet, please stop me. But yeah. you... you you start the venues app inside of this dressing room yep. and you pick your outfit and your avatar, you build your avatar there yeah. and you go to a 360 venue and hang out with your friends. I think it's amazing. It's genius. Yeah, it is. And we it's all like knew this. Fortnite did. It's like what Travis Scott and Diplo did in Fortnite and they were selling skins, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. That's over a billion dollar industry. Yeah. It's nuts. It's funny to think about, do you remember watching movies in the 90s? I don't know how old you are, Daniel. You're probably... I'm stu- I'm ridiculously young. I'm 25. Like, I don't know anything. Okay, cool. I'm so, surprised I can finish sentences. No, I mean, you're, you're a great speaker, very articulate. You seem to know what you're talking about. Enough for us to have a conversation. Right on. I don't know anything about anything. I'm just... <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not an expert on anything. Those are my favorite people. Yeah. I'm, and I am very self-aware of that. But... Um, the venues app is, is, is great. And I, I'm curious to see the economy that's built around that because the Facebook Oculus marriage, I think was so brilliant because they're making this technology, which I wanted years ago, but I technically, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to buy an Alienware computer. I had a that. Like gamer PC and right. I have a huge room with the tracking and wires. And I, just didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I opted to wait. And then when this product came out, um, obviously it's $299. It's, it's like the new Nintendo, like, and anyone can afford this. Yeah. So imagine what's going to happen. It's, 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 um, it's going to be accessible for every household. So mm-hmm. now we're going to have to deal with, okay, we've got to make a VR version of everything. And we've got to, it's plus everything that's going to come that will be new and that will bubble up from the spring of, you know, everything that's going to happen in the future. But I feel like we've really been, we've, we've known this was coming for a long time via like Hollywood. I feel like Hollywood does a really good job of showing you 20 years down the road, what technologies are coming. And um, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that believe, do, have you heard all of this? Do you know what I'm talking about going with Not this? At all. Where Hollywood is like an arm of the government that teaches like CIA. Us, yeah. that, that trains us to, um, to c- 
kind of meant, uh, subconsciously prepare for things so we're not shell-shocked when they do happen. Jesus H. Christ, sir. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's way deeper than that. I didn't articulate that very well, but the distillation of that, the, the idea is, ju- is just that, you know? No, man. Yeah, that's a real thing, right? That's got to be a real thing. I mean, that truly does. It's funny how, like, the show Nashville kind of <clears throat> did that for Nashville. Like, mm-hmm. definitely since that show started, that has definitely manifested in ways that are likened to the fictional show. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, who's to say it's all not a movie? You know, and it's like, do you, I don't know. I do it sometimes. I'm doing it lately where I just interface with the world as if it's not real. Like, just a little bit not real. I have a friend who has been writing songs with, and she's a massage therapist, which is a weird way to start this idea. But she says there's this, <laughs> there's this weird, there's a thin layer of membrane that's over all of our muscle that's known as fascia. Mm, fascia, yeah. I don't know anything about fascia, really. But it's like, uh, it's over, every human has it, every culture, and it's over all our muscles, right? I feel like uh, I'm trying to like see the fascia on everything as of late. I'm just trying to be like, this might be not fully real. So I'm just going to really try to love people, really try to tell the truth, even if it's uncomfortable and people might not like me for it. Because it might be like, that might be part of the rules of this simulation because it seems to work out that way. Yeah, I recently took on this, this strange philosophy where I'm living my life like a movie that people are watching in a theater. So yeah, Very stoic. Yeah, consider the judgment that's ca- the, the burden of judgment based on your actions and the things that you think you're doing in private or in secrecy, that there's a theater full of people watching and are, are, are laughing at your expense or throwing eye daggers at you. It could be, I don't know. It's real, sir. I think it's real. I think I tend, the older I get, the more I'm erring to the side of this is a simulation. Come on, really? Totally. Oh, so for everyone who uh, is saying that these 25-year-olds are all woke and they need to get off their iPhones, it's not true. Everyone might be onto something here. (laughs) Yeah. Although there's a lot of 25-year-old people who are woke who could probably stand to get off their iPhones. True. (laughs) Do you you limit the amount of time you spend on your phone? Are you like conscious of it? So the social dilemma allowed me to naturally stop Mm -hmm. indulging in certain parts of my psyche. Um, I think it's just trying to always exercise the muscle. My dad always does a good job of making me aware of like proverbial muscles. Mm-hmm. And it's like your awareness muscle is something you should be exercising. Um, Instagram fucks me up. I get really jealous of people and I get really insecure with myself. And I start thinking that I'm off track. I'm lost at sea and nothing's coming my way. And I wouldn't think that if I'm off Instagram for eight hours. Like I actually start getting into a positive feedback cycle if I, if I watch my thoughts and I work hard and I stay truthful, you know. But then I get on there, dude, and in the studio the other day, straight up just three asses in a row. I didn't even know I followed these girls. And it's like, man, I can't be having three asses in my face. And then someone asked me to, 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 to support their grandmother who has two types of cancer at once. <laughs> and it's like, when am I? And then they then they want to sell me like this, like nutritional kale supplement. It's like I just don't even. I gotta get off this for a second. Like this is a weird reality. I don't. That might not be good for what you and I do, which are very much so vibrationally based forms of producing things that are true to us. Yeah. Well, Instagram is such a curated reality too. It's it's cur- it's curated. It's filtered. It's manufactured and processed. It's like the fish sticks. That you get Kanye West shot out. Come on, this is <laughs> technically reality, technically, but it's 
been manufactured and processed and curated and presented in a way that's not real, right? I mean, it is and it's not. I don't know. You can argue that. It also depends on the person producing, creating, delivering that content too. It's not, it's not a blanket statement you can say, but for the most part, I feel like that's the nature of the Instagram reality is very manufactured. It's, and so, we yeah. all participate, it, participate in that to some degree, right? Oh man, you have to. There's nothing wrong with that either. The thing that's wrong with it, it's just like most things. It's, it seems like when you start taking it too seriously, it starts not being as good. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still work hard and be diligent and not take things too seriously. True. You can put imperfect videos and imperfect performances up. This is what's, this is what's turning, I mean, this is even off the lips sounds funny, but turning us into machines and the cyborgs into however you want to categorize that is we're turning into this zero and one, like everything's going to be perfect. And so we, we're, we're already creating the expectation that we can't present anything to anyone unless it's perfect. So people, have you heard the term become your filter before? No, what's that? It's, it's basically like this subculture. It's not even a subculture. It's just a philosophy of becoming your filter. So you have this favorite filter that, you know, I have one that I use sometimes, sometimes, most times. Um, this filter that I use that just kind of whitewashes or puts a nice like analog sheen on all of my photos, my content that I post. So people take it another step further when they become their filters where, you know, if they have a filter that makes their lips and their nose look a certain way, they, they're, so they're programming themselves to, to want to look like that in reality all the time. So they're going to links to be surgically right. enhanced to look like, to become their filters. I know a girl who bought a thing off Amazon that she puts on her lips before she takes a photo and it just like pops all the blood vessels in her lips for like, I think it's like they last like 10 minutes. It's just like a big old just up and it just pops her lips up and she takes a photo hang in. And it's like, that is not the vibe. Like that's not a real person. Like, what are you doing? Like you are enough is what you're saying. Right. Right. I mean, in theory we should be enough, but I mean, uh, I don't, I don't want to touch and I don't want to rock anybody's boat or say oh. anything hurtful because it's not about that. It's just, just very loose commentary on the nature of how we interface with digital technology and social media is crazy. It's Man, getting crazy. It's getting crazier. It's getting more real. The crazy, the craziness has become normalized. That's what's so crazy about it. Mm, right. I yeah. think that man, that just might be part of life, though. It seems like oh, I think it's called hedonic adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, just when you can't help, because if things were as uh, radical to you every day as they were when you first were born, you would you would pass out. You know, right. like that's why our taste buds change, and you know that's why. You know, it's crazy to see like people, especially runners. Um, I was giving guitar lessons to to a fellow who competed in the Olympics and ran for years, and just he showed me photos of himself. How gravity changes your body over time. It's like, man, everything's kind of normalizing us at all moments. So if you put crazy in with that, whoa, stimulation's going to get intense. <laughs> um, if I wanted to take a guitar lesson from you, hypothetically speaking, what would I have to do? To- prepare for that because you are like a next level i will never be as good of a guitarist you are but you are a great model for how can i be closer to this than i am to this yeah totally what do i I have to do sorry to turn this around on you but i do want to talk to you offline about a guitar lesson soon we'll have to do that man i'd I'd gladly give you one anytime 
Um, I, I usually, I love when people have a vision. I think if you can have a vision of what your next goal is, um, that is half the battle. You know, and a lot of people don't know what they want to get better at. And they just take like these homogenized ideas that they need to learn more or that they need to practice more. And they don't really know what that means. Um, so that's always the thing I ask before we sit down with anybody. Is what, give me three real goals that we can talk about. Three real things and we'll, we'll, we'll take an hour and we'll talk about how we can get better at those. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, that, that truly is. And, and, and just to be realistic with your expectations and try that. You know what I mean? Um, I would say that, that would be the capsule for that answer. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yeah, I've already got a vision. Oh, you uh, have no shortage of vision. <laughs> well, some, some, in some areas of life, I could use a little more vision or some yeah. nudging in a direction too, but I want to play guitar like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Dude. Realistically, I just want to, I'm, I'm educating myself, listening to more music. I bought a nice a new Strat. I bought, I'm getting a new amp. Looking at your amps here in the background, what are these? Is that a Fender? These are pretty much all Fender. These are pretty much all Fender amps, except yeah. the one right over here. That's an Elliott amp made by made, made my friends out in um, uh, Elliott, out in, uh, I think they're in North Carolina, mm-hmm. or South Carolina, somewhere out there. Yeah, North Carolina. And man, they're awesome. I love Fender amps. I think that's, that's the heart of country music are Fender amplifiers. Mm-hmm. There's an engine for it, so that's pretty much all I use. Okay. Cool. Stevie, man, I think Stevie, which would be a good thing to wrap up with, was I think Stevie was probably the closest source um, for a true spirit of something that is, you know, the most timeless out of any guitar player that's ever played. Like, you're hearing something that is from another dimension. That right, exactly. Definitely turning on. You're talking about beaming, beaming down. Mm-hmm. That guy was a fucking beam, sir. He did it every time. Have cool. you seen Live at El Macombo? I'm sorry? Have you seen Live at the Elma Combo? Uh, I don't think I have. That is the one. If okay, I'll watch that tonight. Yeah, that is the one. Um, oh, yeah. What was I going to say about... Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't heavily... Inf- uh, he didn't use a lot of psychedelic drugs, did he? He wasn't like a Jimmy character. He had a lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. Okay. Cocaine yeah. and alcohol. I, yeah. I know for the last part of his career, uh, prior to his death, he was sober... For a good while. I actually listened to his AA. Have you listened to his AA speech on YouTube? Yep. Yeah. Like I've been going through that era of Stevie, just kind of, you know, the, I don't want to say the final years. It's, it's a little dark, but the final years. It's insane. My friend Robert Knight was with Stevie the day he died. And he shot him at Alpine Valley with Clapton and, and everyone else who was playing there and saw him right before he got on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Shook his hand. Before he, died. he was one of the last people to see Stevie. And, uh, what the fuck? Little spectrums of light is all we are. And we're here for brief moments of time. And we just got to be as truthful and as hardworking as we can because we don't know when it's going to end, man. Yeah. It's crazy how people like that are taken away so, so young. It's a real, like, unfair part of this simulation. Like, right. you tell me that Kurt Cobain's going to die before he's 40. Like, yeah. He doesn't have spine problems yet. So many, so many artists, like, so countless. Wow. Dude, I love what you do. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And we got to do this again. Anytime you want to do a lesson, just hit me up. Yeah, man. I'd love for you to be a guest on my, uh, on my humble platform as well. Okay. I would be honored, sir. Anything. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll, I'll see, man. I think it's been, how long, when did I last see you? In Nashville Americana Fest? I think last year. Oh, was it 18? I think think it was was last year. It could have been last year. I think it was. Yeah. Whenever you're back in town, man, let's go. Yeah, soon, soon enough, for sure. Good to see you, brother. 
David, I'll see you, my friend. Likewise. Thanks, man. Take right. care. Mr. David Wrangler of Vinyl Ranch, y'all. You'll go check out what he's doing. Follow him on Instagram. Buy a t-shirt from him. I think the concept and the freedom in which we have in this country to take our taste and to understand the responsibility we have of distilling our taste into something simple and understandable and consumable by the market is a very fantastic way to live your life. David's doing so in a way that I find very admirable. He works very hard, yet he's still positive. And what he's doing is fresh and cool and inspiring. That's what I try to do with my music. And that's, I think, at the essence, the truth that resonates with our soul and makes us follow something and makes us remember something. And most importantly, makes us feel something. To live in the hearts that you leave behind is to live for others or is to live forever said the most cosmic individual that there ever was mr carl sagan all right y'all we were listening to as always on the cosmic country podcast the lost highway some grateful dead to start out this episode called cumberland blues we're listening to obray ramsey right now and then uh the intro song was called country disco you can find every song on the lost highway podcast on my spotify page daniel donato subscribe to us on patreon daniel donato instagram daniel donato danieldonato.com to join the cosmic country club youtube on daniel donato facebook daniel donato my name is daniel donato my shirt's says daniel donato you can buy a shirt that says it too a phone case socks lighters we have candles coming in 2021 most importantly about 2021 y'all you ready breathe with me fit the goals to yourself not yourself to the goals stay patient stay persistent stay positive stay cosmic Be they ever so fine